So it's the book of Jonah. Uh, a few things I want to highlight as we read it. It's only four chapters. Very small book, and it'll be quick to read. Jonah is a book that probably Jonah wouldn't didn't send to the publisher himself. Because it starts out with Jonah disobeying God and ends with Jonah being mad at God. So it's not something that he'd want published for eternity, but it is what it is. And there's a lot of lessons we can learn through this. So let's start out here in chapter 1. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittia, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city. I find it interesting that God is calling Nineveh a great city. He's sending Jonah there to tell him to repent, but at the same time he's calling him a great city. Now he's calling them great, not because of the, the morals or ethics or their values. I mean, they're serving, you know, other gods. Uh, they're breaking all kinds of moral laws. They're breaking all kinds of, of, of God's Ten Commandments. But God calls them great because they're using their resources well. Even Jesus said, you know, the, the children of the world use their resources better than the children of God. And, uh, and so God is calling them great. It means they're using their resources, you know. And they're using the resources well, <clears throat> certainly in vain, unless the Lord builds the house, it's built in vain, but they're doing it well. You know, talks, Jesus talks about, you know, when a storm comes and beats upon the houses, the house is built on the sand, it'll fall down, but it was built on rock, will not fall down. Well, it has nothing to do with the structure, it has to do with what it's built on. So you can have a well-built house on sand and it'll, it'll fail, but you have a, you know, and so... We need to move these great nations, this great house, to over to the rock. And I think the same thing in the United States of America. We can call this a great nation of the things that we've done. But if we don't return to the Lord, you know, if we don't repent of our sins, then it's not looking good for us. Let's go on to another part down here. We find out that Jonah gets, you know, right here. It says, Jonah rose to flee to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. Let me tell you something. It's never good to flee from the presence of the Lord. Jonah's not the first one to do that. Remember Adam and Eve? You know, they sinned in the garden. And God asked them, where are you? They said, we're hiding. They hid from the, you know, from the presence of the Lord. Um, we ha also have Cain. Cain says, you know, left the presence of the Lord. And then you have King Samuel, where the presence of the Lord was taken from him. And then King David, after after the Bathsheba incident in Psalms 51, he pleads with the Lord not to take his presence away from him. Wherever the Lord is, there is a servant. His presence, his presence is very much needed, very much wanted. In fact, God, even though God's presence is everywhere, hell is going to be a place where you don't ever experience the presence of God, and heaven is going to be a place where you continually experience the presence of God. And in God's presence, there's love, there's joy, there's peace, there's, there's you know all those good things that we want in in you know in society. And so, do not flee. If you sin against the Lord, don't flee from Him, don't hide from Him, but run to Him. And another thing we can learn from this book of Jonah is once Jonah flees from the Lord and gets on the ship, their storm comes up and they're all in trouble. They're throwing their cargo over, they're throwing their resources over, and eventually they find out that Jonah was the one that sinned and they're trying to save him. But Jonah says, no, just throw me over and things are going to be okay. So they throw Jonah over against their best desire and the storm stops and uh, they make some vows and dedications to the Lord. Well, what I'm saying on this is our sin is never to ourselves. When we sin, even in the darkness, thinking it's not bothering anybody, it does have an effect on us. It does have an effect on our family. It does have an effect on our relationships. It does have an effect on our city. It does affect things. We, I know we want to kind of label these big sins as why society's falling down and these little sins that we're doing are no big thing. 
But it all, it all goes in the same bucket of sin. It all goes in that bucket where that bucket has to be, has to be judged. So rather be a big sin or a little sin or how you divide and all that kind of stuff. Nevertheless, you are affecting, we are affecting other people. Chapter two is another lesson here. It goes to chapter four, uh, chapter two, verse four says, Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. You see, this is a place where Jonah actually does die. He does die and go to this and goes into goes to hell. Because verse down, goes down to verse six says, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. So here's a promise. It starts out of a promise to Jesus. This book of Jonah was the Old Testament. Jesus is New Testament. And it says, and God writes a promise to him that he once again shall see the holy temple. Because Jesus, just like Jonah, was in the, in the, in the bell of the whale. Jesus was in the, in the center of the earth for three days and three nights. And that God had promised you, when you go down there, where I will bring it back up. I will bring it back up so you can see the temple again. Another part in here, it says, uh, verse 10, chapter 2, verse 10. And, and the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. I just want to remind you that uh, repentance is not a pretty picture in the natural. It's a pretty picture in heaven. Over Even the angels rejoice and throw a party over one person repents. But here on earth, it's usually very dirty, very nasty. People are confessing their sin and many sins that you just don't want to hear, you know, and, or definitely, and certainly don't want to confess. But that's part of repentance. That's part of being washed away. If you have the, if you have the, it says, I know, the uh, a, a godly sorrow, you're going to be able to confess your sin and still have hope without, you know, being ashamed. That's kind of, you know, you wish you hadn't done it, but God removes that sin from you that you, you're so far removed from it. You don't carry the shame anymore because he He bore all that on the cross. But we know here we are praying for revival or a great awakening or whatever you're praying in the city. Just know that repentance is is not pretty so if somebody vomits in your church if somebody comes in and has foul language if somebody comes in smelling and all, all this kind of stuff that's part of repentance chapter three it says then the word of the lord came to jonah the second time so god hasn't changed his mind once he's called you for something he's always called you for something and maybe in a different way there's a lot of preachers that you know that has a success and fame and, 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 and reach on people and they rose up and they sinned and they probably will never reach that level again, but God didn't change their occupation on them. They still need to be teaching. They still need to be preaching after reconciliation, after repent of their sins, after they've been restored. It's just, it's just in you. It's just in you. God doesn't remove what he placed in you in the beginning. So, so if you have messed up, you, you know, you, you might not get to the place where you want to be, but that gift is still going to be without repentance. That gift is still going to be in there. God is still calling you in some form, fashion. You may not ever be a pastor or evangelist, but you may still be able to be a, a teacher or a Bible teacher and or Wednesday teacher in your church. Chapter three goes on and says, when God saw that what he did and how they turned from their evil way, God re relented of the disaster that he has said he would do to them. And he did not do it. This is chapter 3, verse 10, talking about Nineveh. So God relented or repented of what he's going to do to Nineveh. And Nineveh was exceedingly, exceedingly evil. 
I mean, they, they attacked and did some horrible things to Israel. And, and there are people out there that do the same thing. But if you see that God is long-suffering, then we need to know that God is more long-suffering than we can even understand. And and you see even in where you have uh, King Ahab doing the horrible things that he did and judgments coming his way. And he tore his clothes and repainted on sackcloth and ashes. And God relented for him and he's going to do to Ahab as well. So it's just amazing how much mercy you see in God, even in the Old Testament. And then you go on to chapter 4, where you're seeing you know, Abe, um, Jonah's angry of God. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? And uh, and Jonah pretty much says, yes, I have a reason to be angry. So if people start getting saved, or people you know that you really didn't want to get saved, that you already wished them their farewell to hell, then... Uh, this is something you need to deal with. We need to, God is not willing for any man to perish, and we need to get to that place too. Yeah, there are, there are some people that I've really had to pray for, groups of people, types of people that I've had to pray for because they're just, they're just difficult. But I want to make sure that I'm not angry with God because of who he chooses to save, who he pulls out of the pit, who he pulls out of, of hell and have eternity with him. So those are just a few thoughts as you read through the book of Jonah. Uh, uh, to put it in perspective.